I believe we are ready to go. So uh, bear with me. I think this is all going to go super smoothly. Uh, at least that's what I'm hoping for. But we are about to start a live episode of the Marketing Futures podcast. Hello and welcome to a special live edition of the ANA Marketing Futures podcast. I'm your host, Mike Burbridge, Senior Director of Marketing Futures. Today, we're joined by Alan Gravely, VP of Marketing and E-Commerce at Signet Jewelers. We're talking about the Love Can't Wait campaign by Jared, the Gallery of Jewelry. In addition to everything else that screwed up last year, COVID-19 caused nearly 850,000 weddings to be canceled. However, there were brave souls who pushed forward, declaring, wait for it, love can't wait. So what did Jared the Gallery of Jewelers do about it? Why, create an entire virtual wedding platform and produce a TV ad in 72 hours. That's what. Alan, let's start the show. Right. All right. We are, we're rocking and rolling right out the gate. Alan, thank you so much uh, for kicking it with us in the virtual Marketing Futures Podcast studio today. How are you doing? Good. I've always wanted to kick it with someone and, 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 and you know, you're the guy to do that with. So I'm very excited. Marketing Futures makes dreams come true. I tell everybody <laughs> and now we're seeing the proof. All um, right. <laughs> so we've got an incredible campaign to dive into. But before we do that, uh, let's level set a little bit. Tell us about yourself and how your journey led you to Signet Jewelers. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so my current role is I'm head of uh, marketing e-com and e-commerce for Jared Jewelers. And, um, you know, the other piece I have is store look, feel, design, and visual merch and all that is, is kind of what I, I do in my day job. Um, and I like to say, you know, I kind of have an eclectic background. Um, I often joke, um, I've had trouble holding a job. I'm hoping this one will work out. Um, and what I mean by that is a typical, uh, you know, marketer have, uh, have had a lot of different, really, really great roles and opportunities. You know, CPG, like the Unilevers, Kellogg, P&G, fast food, yum, that kind of thing. Also consulting, worked in the hotel business under Weston, and then most recently was in Fawcett's with Moen. And so naturally, that all led to me being in jewelry. I mean, I, I don't think you'd have a better background to do that. Um, <laughs> so I like to say it's all been building to this, but uh, just, uh, you know, obviously through some of my uh, previous uh, relationships and things like that, it just, uh, you know, was able to make a connection and, and end up here. And, uh, you know, hey, it's, uh, it's been a challenging year or so, but um, business is going uh, really well. So That's incredible to hear. That's incredible yeah. to hear. Um, so yeah, about the challenging year, so I doubt that you had create a virtual wedding platform on your list of things to do when 2020 began. What were Jared's original plans uh, last year before COVID kind of canceled every plan for everyone? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny because, you know, um, I, I, so I have done some different things, but one of the things you have in retail is, you know, you're always ready to change the plan because, you, you know, you have that data, you, you can see what's happening really, really quick. CPG more of a, you know, we're on the Walmart schedule a lot of times, you know, you know, nine, right, 10, right. 12 months out or more. So in retail, you have more of that ability to pivot because you control everything. So having said that, you know, Signet always, I think, was a place where you tried to stay nimble. And obviously that's accelerated over the last year, I think, not just for us, but for everyone. It'll be interesting just as culturally, if we kind of go back to the old habits, if you will, 
But um, our plan was, you know, to do what we've kind of been successful with, which is we always invest around major holidays because that's when, you know, gift giving and those kinds of things happen. Bridal's more, you know, engagement is more throughout the year, obviously. But Mm -hmm. we had begun to look at investing more throughout the year um, as opposed to just focusing on holidays, if you will. Right. And, you know, obviously, you know, when COVID came and the stores for the safety of our employees and customers started to close, all of that really had to be put on hold. So, you know, safety has to be premier, especially in the retail environment. So it was really one of those things where, you know, it wasn't obviously anticipated. It was going to be business as usual with that pivot I talked about, about investing more throughout the year from a marketing standpoint. And all of that really had to, you know, be changed and pivoted in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. But pivot you did and uh, pretty, pretty impressively as well. So what was the inspiration behind Love Can't Wait? Well, you know, we, we were working with uh, our, our agency partner, Hawkeye, and we were we actually were looking at before this things like uh, event marketing. We felt Jared being more in that 200 and plus store range, you know, that local kind of larger chain feel, but also mm-hmm. more local feel had some opportunity. And we thought, you know, events was a way to do that. Uh, obviously, you, you couldn't be doing events around stores or anything when everything changed. So uh, like a lot of folks, we did look at well, what about virtual events and that kind of thing. And we've actually done some of that and that's worked well too. But um, the discussion came around to, you know, you know, literally, what can we really do? How can we make a difference that's going to feel genuine to the brand? Lots of folks, you know, provided resources and dollars to charities. And that's, that's great. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We, but we wanted to push, you know, a little bit further into like our brand purpose. And, you know, for Jared, you know, we're all about enabling the grand gesture, if you will, is kind of the language we talk about, you know, especially like with engagement and gifting and that kind of thing. And we, we really think our customer is about that big moment. And uh, if you will, making it even bigger, you know, that our customers, like they, they stock their prey. They really understand <laughs> so they get this just right. And they kind of really like getting the credit for that, um, you know, that, hey, you did a fantastic job on this. You know, they're likely to post all, everything they did on a social media kind of thing. So anyway, you know, obviously, as we were working through this, weddings were being postponed. You talked about the numbers up front. Um, and exactly. right at the same time, all the, you know, virtual video and everything was taking off. And that's where the idea where those two kind of seeing what was happening with weddings, seeing some people doing some really interesting things to propose in spite of that, um, that was hitting national attention. We thought, why should people have to wait? Why do people have to postpone? And that's where kind of the thinking for love, wait, love can't wait came up. But then um, we knew that especially, you know, folks like we're talking about in grand gestures would see this as one, I want to go ahead with this, you know, it kind of, for some people that accelerated relationships, we've seen that certainly from data and understanding our consumer. But um, they didn't want to just go ahead. They wanted to do it in a big way, in a different way. And, you know, this grand virtual kind of Zoom wedding idea uh, started to come from that. And in the end, you know, I think what made this really interesting and work for us and for the consumer was, you know, you talked to, I think, we, you know, when we talked to folks like Ipsos who were looking at who really responded well from a branding standpoint, and I, I think we were articulating it up front, but I think in retrospect, it became clear, which it often does, is one, that it, this was a really authentic moment for Jared, because who else but a jewelry company should own something like providing this service, you know, um, as, a, as opposed to maybe 
just doing something for doing sake, which is important to do too, but this felt really tied back to who we were. It was, it was very important to have that authenticity. And then, you know, it was also real in the sense that we, and this will tie into, you know, how we were able to do it quickly, but uh, we captured real people, you, uh, you know, really UGC oriented things who were going through the proposal process and getting married. And then the, the last thing that I, I think I always talk about that it's tough to always, you know, achieve, and that is having a do factor. How can we really help and do something for people? So providing the, you know, the video engagement platform, you know, no cost, um, and then helping people through it, because as you can imagine, most of this was happening on the weekends when, you know, uh, when you've got a platform running, you got to have technical support and make sure that's all working. And then, you know, you know, most importantly, we were able to help folks get married in the most challenging of times. As you said, it's important that brands helped and supported in any way they did last year, but you really found that perfect pocket of doing something that was a real need. It wasn't a solution in search of a problem, but it was so authentic to use your word to the uh, Jared brand. Um, just a really great combination and a, a great idea. So you have the great idea, now you've got to make it a reality. And there was a lot happening in a very short amount of time to make this campaign a reality. So let's yeah, I love the way you said that too, that it wasn't like something in search of a problem. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel like we were, you know, to use a craft, like glomming onto something either. It just felt right. natural and right and, and fluid. And, and, the, and the feedback we got from folks that participated we're just, I don't know, just, you know, bring you to tears, just genuine thankfulness. So, yeah, like I said, it was that perfect, like nexus of uh, this is going to be great for our brands, but this is something that's actually going to do good and put good and happiness and joy into the world. It's why we're chatting right now. So <laughs> let's talk about that, the virtual wedding platform, what went into its creation and what were the different, you know, capabilities for, for users? Uh, you want to talk about, um, trying to pull something off in a very short period of time that was a lot more complex than you might've thought of. This, this would be the one to take on. And we can talk more about that maybe if, if you want to, but uh, you know, it, it, it had all the things that I think you would expect. You know, first of all, it, it looked really sharp for being pulled off in a very short period of time. So when you, you kind of went in and took a look and that kind of thing, it didn't feel like thrown together and it didn't feel like you were, you know, slapping something onto a Zoom because it wasn't on Zoom. It was another uh, um, much more uh, at that point anyway, because, you know, there were Zoom people sneaking into Zoom things. Right. So we had a very high mm -hmm. technical bar here that was, you know, military grade encryption, that kind of thing. Make sure that didn't happen, if you will. Wow. Um, so that's one key thing. I want to make sure we were protecting privacy and that kind of thing. But then the other pieces were, you know, um, you had a guest book so you could see who had, who was going to be there um, and could, could, you know, register in advance. It had, it could help you generate your, if you will, the invite and let people RSVP to it that looked, hopefully consumers felt like it looked really beautiful and, and was consistent with what they wanted. Um, and then, you know, uh, the obviously follow-up reminders, just everything that you would expect to make it so that the, the technical part wasn't an issue for the bride and groom. That it's like, how can we enable, how can we make it all happen? How can it be automated with just entering, you know, the, about the most you had to do is really enter name and emails and that kind of thing to, to make it happen. We had people that um, had literally hundreds of guests and we had people that um, 
it was just, you know, a, a thing that they did and kind of recorded and captured. So we had the full range, really if you will, as to what people were doing um, with regard to the platform. And, and as you might expect, uh, pulling something like this off, uh, not everyone was perfect. And so I know that's a shock, but uh, <laughs> it's something where, 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 we <laughs> where we had challenges and things like that. Um, you know, we went way out of our way to make sure that, you know, we did everything we could to make sure uh, either during the time, et cetera. Because, so, you know, and we even had preset practice and things like you and I logged on here a little early to make sure we could be ready today. We Alan, did that's, a, that's an industry secret. You got to keep yeah, that. Between sorry, sorry, sorry. Should have, <laughs> you, you told me not to say anything, but I did. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, like nobody wants to be a tech director on their wedding day. So you got to make it easy. And to your thing, like it makes perfect sense that you guys went all in on the support because if you're the second you're involved in someone's wedding in for a penny in for a pound. Yes. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, but you know, that's from having got married myself. I know that the people there that day that are supporting to make things go, it means the world to the couple getting married. Yeah. So. Yeah. No question. Mm -hmm. So there was an influencer program and a celebrity integration kind of on top of this campaign before the TVC, which we are going to talk about in a moment, because you, I, that might've, you know, set some record for the quickest, uh, something came together, but how did you, um, integrate influencers, celebrities? How did you, uh, amplify the message through them? Yeah. So we had, a, a you know, another uh, agency partner that we were working with on that. And, you know, it was, it was funny because when we started, the idea really generated from the platform and engaging and wanting to be, uh, you know, if you will have something we could uh, communicate to folks in, you know, as you might expect sometimes from a national TV standpoint, but it quickly looked like, well, national TV, you know, that's, you know, that's important, but, you know, it seems like there'd be a lot more opportunity on the, like you're saying, the influencer side of it. And so that's where, again, you know, it, it's like, uh, yeah, this is a funny thing I say, and you can push back on me, but, uh, you know, regular marketing, really hard. Breakthrough outstanding marketing, it's so darn easy. And, and the reason it's so darn easy is because it's so clear. It's so concise. It's so strategic. It's insight driven, all these things. And it's like, why is this so bloody easy? Right. How did you do yeah. this in Florida? How can you do that? Well, because, you know, it's just so clear. And then, so the influencer program, I mean, it was the same kind of thing. Like every idea we talked about and saw, et cetera, just seemed to build upon it and seemed easy to say yes to. Right. You know, and so anyway, the, uh, we wanted to, you know, if you go back to kind of like well, what we were trying to accomplish, it was, and continue to want to be in a, a voice of, you know, if you will, uh, authority and, and leadership in, in, in the wedding space. You know, the goal here obviously was to inspire conversation and engagement in a time where it was very challenging. And we wanted to make sure that um, the influencers we work with could potentially help us reach people and new audiences, because to some extent, Jared, you know, does skew a little older. How do we reach into that next generation, right? Because um, mm -hmm. so th those were kind of like the, the big buckets and what that resulted in that just seems like, so you go, well, of course you would do that. Um, but at the time, it, was, it may not have been a lot. It was something we called the, the Jared I Do crew. And that was, you know, just partnering with influencers that made total sense for weddings. And uh, one of the ones we had a an efficient Ben Higgins, who was a former Bachelor star. We had a choreographer, Whitney Carson McAllister, who is a, you know, um, a Dancing with the Stars mm -hmm. dancer. Uh, we had someone to help you glam it up, give you style and that kind of thing. And then we 
Um, you know, we had this, a stylist too, and then we had a mixologist and all of them produced individual pieces that um, were, you know, to, to be fair, were just a ton of fun and they got, you know, huge results as, with their work. Um, you know, I, we really definitely broadened our audience. Um, we got into a lot of local media, some great fun, you know, quotes and things like that that were picked up in your local media. And really, uh, the other thing here, more so than other things I've done in the past is, you know, it really uh, was more sustainable. Um, you know, we got, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it stuck around for several months and continued to get pickup, which is unusual for things I've done in the past. And like 80 pieces of coverage, some numbers here, but, uh, you know, about 140 million earned media impressions, uh, you wow. know, 5 million impressions of the influencer content with, you know, engagement rates, five and 6%, and even up to as high as 9%, which is blows the water out of all, you know, typical yeah, that's things. pretty crazy. So it's like, it was really engaging, really fun. Um, you know, we could obviously reuse the content and, um, this is a place where the cost of the influencers, certainly there was a cost for that, but they really wanted to participate. It gets back to that do factor again. So they went out of their way. They went over and above having Ben as an officiant, you know, the people love that, you know, and, and he was just outstanding. So it, it's just, that's what I mean. Like, you know, it was just in retrospect, buddy, it was just so easy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So the final central element to this campaign was a TV ad that was created from concept to commercial in four days yeah. during lockdown. My goodness, how did that happen? Take us through. Take us through from the idea to uh, the the you know airing. Well, and, and it's like we've been talking. Everything was on uh, crazy fast timing because you know we had certain you know media commitments. Um, that were, you know, obviously not movable. And, and what you saw at the time is, is lots of folks taking, if you will, either things they've done in the past and trying to re-edit it. And, and to, you know, again, um, we saw ideas like that. And, and it was, again, nothing wrong with it, but not the same impact, right? And so what we saw here was, well, how could we possibly pull something like this off? And here's the funny thing too, and it's the big secret that, um, you know, people will, probably won't be surprised, but um, we looked out in the world and found UGC types of folks that were very talented at, you know, what they were shooting and what they were doing and storytelling and had built some stories that were very much about engagement and their wedding and that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, before you knew it, in, in just a matter of, you know, 24 hours, we were to find several folks that were great candidates for, if you will, a national television quality spot. And that was probably the, the number one thing that really released it. So then it was really a matter of not shooting a whole lot for this, but leveraging what was really good quality uh, a video, if you will, and um, adding it to tell their story, which they had already sort of done themselves which allowed us to get there, you know, again, in, in just four short days. And, um, and this just ties right back to, wow, that feels really authentic and real um, and, uh, you know, touching uh, in a way that something maybe shot wouldn't have. Not to mention it was 24-7 uh, connecting with the agency and whatever else you had to do, please put it aside because this is going to be on air in, you know, in four days. <laughs> <laughs> this Friday, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's phenomenal. That's really phenomenal. Um, so in one of our earlier conversations, you mentioned that Signature's brand culture 
played a significant role in the success of this campaign. Could you elaborate for our listeners? Uh, yeah, um, it, it's really uh, interesting because, you know, I, as, you, as I mentioned up front, I, I've had the opportunity to work in different organizations. And here, here's the thing. I mean, I, it's like our CEO says this a lot, which is, you know, the say and, and the do factor, right, is really important to her. And tying this back to, you know, especially Jared, over the last year, we really wanted to make sure that we're making a difference in our customers' lives. And and the category you participate in is so touching and emotional. So many times you'll get, you know, we've had people get engaged in the store and get, you know, in, in stores and things like that. We've had some of our folks or can, can perform weddings. So that you really get involved in customers' lives and you want to make that difference. So I, that's just been part of the DNA for a long time, even before I, I, I've been here. Um, but, you know, the other piece that I think is really important is Jared really tries to consistently challenge, try new things. And that's where I go back to kind of our leadership's been really good about being supportive of experimenting and learning. There's no what I like to call like search for the guilty if things don't work out. It's more like, let's talk about what, hey, well, what, what didn't work, what did, and that kind of thing. It's very much that way. And I can't say that about every place I've been. And so it just really encourages you to, to go for it even more, you know, and their focus is more like, what do we learn and how can we expand on what is working? And, you know, in the end, we definitely did something big for our customer, something we believed in and something that the leadership supported. And I can remember Jen, our CEO, saying to me at one point, like, this isn't about focusing on the dollars. This is about focusing on impacting our customer. And, and that was, you know, at that point, it was like, well, okay, we've got complete support and authority to go after this in a really big way. And, and you know, I you know, can't say enough how much that makes a, a difference. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. And honestly, having a, you know, clearly articulated culture that's actually lived, you know, do, don't say, um, that can affect even at the ideation level. You know, yeah. like, cause I know like in, in former places, I would just say, well, that that's not going to get cleared. And then you're just, you're limiting yourself before you even begin. So incredibly strong message about, you know, the importance of culture behind innovation. So is there anything from Love Can't Wait now that we are hopefully getting toward a place where there may be sort of hopefully might be in-person <laughs> weddings and everything again? <laughs> yeah. I really don't want to be the person to jinx it. Hey, all, I just wanted to uh, interrupt the pod for a second, say, sorry for jinxing it. <sighs> anyway. But is there anything from the Love Can uh, Can't Wait uh, campaign that Jared will continue to keep uh, and continue doing going forward? Well, sure. I mean, uh, a couple of things. One, I, I do think it's a bit in the overall brand lexicon these days, so I don't mean to uh, act like we're the only ones, but this authentic and real piece is definitely staying forward. And even the, what we're doing in national TV now is, you know, it's real people, not actors. It's shot very interview style. So we've, you know, we try to learn that. And, you know, not that this group would care about testing and learning, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely the highest scoring, uh, some of the highest scoring creative that's on there now that we've had in the history of, of the company. And it's just, really outstanding overall. And the big thing is, especially in our category, it's that emotional connection. So um, that emotional connection and being authentic, we're definitely sticking with that. The other thing is, you know, over the last year, um, and it really ties back to our results, is this experimenting and learning attitude. Uh, you know, we were first to market with kind of Facebook selling or virtual selling. Um, first, 
to market with like Facebook beta and that kind of thing for their virtual uh, events and that kind of thing. And we just continue to, to push that kind of uh, attitude, et cetera, in the company. The, again, there's nothing wrong with telling great stories and, and grand gestures. Uh, we, we continue to do that. And I, I think we can do even more and better there. Um, but that's one that we're taking forward. Um, and then, you know, I think you got to be open to and um, uh, make sure you're working with really fun, uh, outside the box, supportive and collaborative partners. The great ideas come from them, obviously. And, you know, it just seems like uh, we, you know, we've got a good foundation in place on, um, you know, a lot of the things I just mentioned. And, and uh, you know, those things will always, to some extent, be good business practice, but they're hard to, uh, to, to live every day. Um, and they, I would say, too, you know, learn the lesson of not trying to, if, like I said earlier, glom on um, to something. Because, uh, you know, nothing gets, everyone knows it, but we've all been tempted uh, every, nothing gets more kind of a negative feedback than when you do that. So we're about to do a little pivot uh, and cover some of the questions we ask every guest of the podcast. But uh, to anybody who's been listening, if you have a question uh, for Alan, please go ahead and put it in the chat. I'm happy to happy to read it out. Want to get everybody's curiosity uh, itches scratched. So Alan, like I said, this is something we ask each and every one of our guests here. We really want to try and get as much as many smart people talking about this as possible. Um, so what are your thoughts on diversity, equity, and inclusion? It can't be emphasized enough because when you look at the team that, that pulled this together, uh, both in terms of the varied agencies that we're part of, I've already alluded to, uh, then the internal team, uh, uh, you know, there was diversity of, of thought, diversity of backgrounds. Uh, the actual national campaign definitely showed that too in terms of the couples we featured, et cetera. Uh, so, um, you know, and then it's our leadership and team have done a great job, you know, leading uh, now the way on our board and the, the folks that are on the board. And, um, you know, we talk about it a lot. And importantly, uh, uh, the do factor has really kicked in, as, as we've said, too. And um, that's been a big transformation led by Jenna personally. So um, I think leadership from the top, critical, uh, you know, that she uh, follows through all the simple things that flow from that that seem obvious, but it, it, it starts there. And, you know, just personally, uh, and throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to start different resource groups and be a part of that and, and that kind of thing. And I continue to do that here. Um, and then, you know, just making sure uh, when you're through going through uh, the development, the interview process and things like that, that it's always top of mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so happy that you mentioned the focus on leadership because if you look, you know, if you look at an organization, even if, oh yes, we're, we're diversifying. Okay. Let me see the, the very top of it, you know, and very often those, the, the percentages are just nowhere near where they need to be. So that is it really, you know, if one thing's going to trickle down, it's going to be inclusion and diversity, you know, it needs to start at the top. So we have a question from Miranda Patton. How does your team leverage trends and future looking insights to be prepared for the next pivot so you don't have to scramble? If I'm honest, uh, I think there's always a bit of a scramble, uh, always because things can be shifting. But having said that, your question question really helps you prepare for the scramble. Meaning, uh, 
everything we do from a, what you might say is typical, but do you really leverage it? We, we have really extensive brand tracking so we can see where we're falling down. And the number one place I think that uh, brands struggle with is, is relevancy. Uh, are you staying relevant? Are you staying contemporary? Are you staying with them? And it's easy to say, here's what we've always been about. And that tension of becoming relevant in the future is a big piece. So that's one thing I think that forces you to really understand, well, what is relevance in this market with this at this time and with the, you know, the generally speaking, it's the younger consumer that you're trying to maintain that relevancy for. So that kind of information and data leads you to, well, what's driving relevancy? Is it, you know, the, you know, the, the products we're offering? Is it the message we're saying? Is it X, Y, and Z? And those things, um, we have ongoing discussions and debate, et cetera. The other way I think you're, maybe the question comes from too is, you know, what are those leading indicators in your market that you're regularly checking in with? You know, for us, you know, we, we've tracked everything from uh, how, how were uh, stimulus checks leveraged to, you know, obviously we get a, a weekly tracker on travel. Um, and that kind of thing to see, you know, is, are people returning to normalcy in, in, in travel and that kind of thing? And what are the implications? What do we need to do to make sure that as people do do that, our category stays, you know, relevant on an ongoing basis? So those are probably like two big ones without going on forever. Mm-hmm. No, but that's great. And it's funny, the, the first uh, point that you made about relevancy really leads into the perfectly into our next question from the chat. This is from Amit Ban. Any thoughts on how Gen Z's outlook may have shifted on marriage? How is COVID recovery looking for the marriage industry? Yeah, so I mean, a couple of things that the biggest thing that um, I think we saw is um, a bit of this, what I call kind of the acceleration of, you know, phases, because of uh, the quote, uh, not to be a negative word, but like the, the lockdown or stay at home and that kind of thing, people move through the phases of a relationship much more quickly. So, and this, you know, no, nothing, well, you know, no generation was impacted maybe more than the Gen Z generation. So, and then there's like some markers, if you will, uh, like getting a pet together, right? That kind of thing that happened mm-hmm. much faster. Uh, you know, we, we kind of uh, talk about the, the, you know, the toothbrush showing up at the new, at the person's <laughs> home and that, that kind of thing. So, all of those trackers and a little bit of signals, all, I, th- I think the biggest thing is maybe not so much about uh, the attitude of marriage, but a lot about the acceleration of um, relationships. And so uh, what we do expect, uh, and this is not just us, but you know, when we talk to some of our bigger social listening partners, like a Facebook, et cetera, is you know, more it, literally kind of an explosion of weddings coming out of this, that, which isn't necessarily you know, a business opportunity for us, but that's not really what the question was. It's like really what the future is. And so um, we think there could be, you know, a big explosion of weddings, you know, back half this year, when I say back half, more like fourth quarter as people, um, you know, feel more comfortable and they're there and, you know, the engagements, you know, may see a tick down. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, That's our current kind of view. So that's, you know, I, I, Hey, that's all good. That's what yeah. we need. Hey, that's really like an optimistic and a little bit uh, surprising finding. I remember hearing or seeing somewhere where it's like, ah, oh, lockdown's going to launch a thousand divorces. But that's really kind of, you know, reaffirms your, your faith in humanity that it, it really did the, the opposite. So, Alan, we've danced around it long enough. This is the tough question. Are you ready? 
I don't know. It's been a pressure packer so far. I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> well, this there's a, we're at the point of no return. We got to keep going. Okay. Alan Gravely. What's your favorite album of all time and why? Okay. So, and now it, this is a controversial topic and, mm-hmm. and I welcome feedback. Um, so um, for me, it's, it's and the, and the, the why is more important than the music. So give me a break. Okay. Cause I, <laughs> well, we've, you know, I just, I'm worried you're going to be all over me. Uh, no, it's uh, the Eagles hotel at California. Oh yeah, man. I'm not the big Lebowski. I like the Eagles. Okay. So that's great. That's what, that was perfect. And uh, anyway, um, I, uh, and there's two reasons. One, when it came out, I was just really young, like a kid, kid. And um, when, uh, so you have those memories from that. I went to see their, that, that concert tour. Right. That'll do it. That'll do and, it. And you know, that the haze of the Washington Capitol Center in DC of all the, you know, what kind of smoke and everything in there. And so, <laughs> so that was intimidating and scary, but you can't make this up. I went, now my sister was there with friends and she was older, but um, I went and my mom took me and sat beside me. And oh, so that's, that's adorable. That, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it is. At the time, I didn't realize how, you know, silly I probably looked. But, you know, you say so your mom's there experiencing that that whole thing with you. And, you know, it's, you know, iconic music that's lasted forever. And it links back to, a, a, you know, a, what do you call it? Kind of the halcyon days or the, the um, you know, future looking days of your life. So all of that comes together. Um, and obviously, a really talented group of musicians. So. That's fantastic. Don't be, don't be ashamed of your, your, your <laughs> love. I can, you know, yeah. And, and Hotel California, the song, it's just such a, an illustrative, like it's, it's certain songs I can just see. Uh, and that is absolutely one of them. Um, and it's funny, we kind of share a little something. My parents took me to Atlantic City when I was like nine to see Harry Belafonte. So you know what? It doesn't make you uncool. In fact, it makes you, you twice as cool. Thank you. I'm with you here. <laughs> Uh, so finally, uh, let's bring it up to the present. What are you listening to now? Be it a song, an artist, a podcast, or maybe a book. What's uh, what's revving your engines these days? Well, it's great. I mean, we talked a little bit before everybody got here, and um, so I'm a big outdoor cyclist. Um, I tend to listen to things when I'm cycling. And for those of you, the, the safety messages I use bone conducting headsets so I can hear and things like that. Um, but yeah, I listen to such a broad range of things because sometimes you're out three, four hours riding. So I listen to things like the maybe make me boring business guy, but it's like definitely listen to everything you do. Um, oh, and then secondly, <laughs> and then also uh, I listen to a lot of, uh, especially when I, I write early in the morning. So I'll listen to CNBC. Wall Street Journal podcast is really good. I, they broad range things, everything from Bitcoin to, uh, you know, international uh, things going on. And uh, they just do a great job, I think. And then, um, your daily drive, which features a lot of stuff from NPR and those kinds of things, a lot of podcasts. And then um, music, it's like, I'll, I'll just get on those channels, like, you know, hits of the 90s, hits of the thousands, hits of the 10s, and just need something that's fun and engaging so that I can, uh, you know, put the pedal down, if you will. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Alan, thank you so much for coming by, kicking it with me on the Marketing Futures podcast. You are so welcome, sir. Thank you for having us. And uh, thanks to all of our partners that made that. Uh, what a, a great idea and campaign come true. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Marketing Futures Podcast. Have an idea for a topic or guest for a future episode? Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. 
Be sure to subscribe to the Futures Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, if you're looking to get smart on the future, point your browsers to ana.net slash futures.